What is up? Brett McGrath here, Vice President of Marketing at The Juice. We're here to talk about why reaching less people can lead to more value for your brand. Doesn't seem to make much sense, does it? But I promise you, you'll come away from this episode with a nugget or two that'll make you a believer. I'm joined by Maria Delano, Kalina Marketing. I learned a ton from her in this conversation. If you like what I'm doing over here, follow, subscribe, hit all the buttons. Subscribe to this newsletter, would you? Make sure you check out the companion piece to all of these episodes. Having a fun putting that out. It comes out every Friday. We'll hit your inbox. Let's go to the conversation. Thanks so much. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. Excited about this topic, the conversation. I think this will be good. We're talking about why reaching less people can equal more value for your brand. I know it sounds crazy, but I promise you stay with us until the end. We're going to have a lot of really good nuggets in this one. I'm joined by Maria Delano with Kalena Marketing. Um, We met, we chatted, and I think she's got a lot of passionate takes and a lot of advice from her experience that will be awesome and good to share with all of you. But without further ado, Maria, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you today? I can't complain. I got to share with the listeners. So this is a modern day marketer first. We, uh, I got to see the kind of like how the sausage was made on the other end. There was like behind the scenes, getting the camera set up and, and, uh, and all that. So um, yeah, I feel like we're in a really good spot and we really know each other going into this one. Yeah, we saw, we saw all the magic happen and all the nice setup appearing before our eyes. It's a good start. <laughs> I, I have to start with this and maybe we can talk a little bit about your agency, but I love, I, we, in our pre-call, I mentioned this, that I love the headline on your site. You can't afford bad content. Stop pouring money down the drain. It's so direct and relatable. Maybe share, a, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the headline and also talk a little bit about your business and kind of what you all do and the customers you serve. Yeah, well, I'd say one of the biggest questions that we've been dealing with as an agency and trying to establish sort of our brand positioning, but also just talking to clients and figuring things out in terms of our actual work is, let me phrase it this way, uh, would you rather pay for five blog posts for $2,000 or only one for the same amount of money? And this is something we try to figure out whenever we're on a discovery call with anybody reaching out and we want to figure out if we want to take them as a client or whenever I'm trying to talk to other marketers or posting on LinkedIn or answering questions, it's always this question because I would say you should go for the one. You should not go for the five. And I know that a lot of people disagree. Uh, And whenever I sense that a customer or a potential customer is disagreeing, We get into this whole conversation until they agree. And if they don't, we part ways. We're not a good fit. How do I elaborate on this? I don't want to go on for like five minutes right now. So, so yeah, no, just (laughs) the the moment of debate, like obviously we as marketers uh, are always wanting more, 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 whether it's more content, more leads, more everything. Like what, how do you get them to see your perspective on, you know, kind of less is more in that scenario? Well, now it helps that we've actually proven that our approach works a few times, so we can always pull up the older examples. But I started, you know, without even having any actual backing for this besides just my gut feeling. And the way I would always phrase this is go on Google 
look up any term related to your business. Like, let's say, look up how to choose a marketing agency, right? If I'm doing customer research and I'm trying to figure out how they're finding me, that's something I'd look up and look at the articles. And I can guarantee you that most of those things on that first page of Google are all going to sound the same. Uh, They're all going to cover the exact same points. All of those points are going to be very shallow. It's going to be like, make sure you're a good fit for your business. Is it going to elaborate how you can make sure if you're a good fit? No. Uh, They will tell you to go look at their past clients. Okay. Will they tell you how you assess them? Because there's a lot of people that have worked with, let's say, Google has hired a lot of contractors over time. Does it mean that every single contractor brought Google results? Does it mean that they actually worked with them extensively? There's a difference working with Google between, you know, you just did some random two-hour project for some random content writer on Google's team versus you worked with their CMO. And these nuances don't get covered by most of these articles because somebody was trying to pump things out. They had a publishing calendar. They wanted to try to get a blog post out, I don't know, one every week, maybe one every two weeks. And they didn't really have time to think about things. So when it comes down to actually writing, they sit down and they come up with the first garbage that they can spit out, usually based on reading all the other articles out there. And the first most obvious things that come to their mind, and then they try to back it up potentially if they actually have the time, but that's kind of it, right? And how many results will writing another one of those same articles actually get you and your brand if you put that on your site? Probably none. And you are probably just going to spin a bunch of new cycles and just create a bunch of more more bad content that doesn't do much. So I, I can empathize and I can relate with that. Yeah, I I think I'm just always looking for nuance in things, partially because I've always been a very voracious reader since I was very young. And when you're reading things all the time and when you're kind of a binge reader, I would say, you know, trying to meet that 100 books a year goal type thing, uh, you start to notice when things aren't worth your time in basically everything you ever read, whether that's fiction, nonfiction, it's a book or blog post a YouTube video description even. And you very quickly start picking up on what's fluff and what's not. And when I started working with clients, I sort of brought that same approach there. And to this day, anytime I'm looking anything up or reading anything, my mind is always like, this is garbage. This is garbage. This is garbage. Oh, this might not be garbage. And that's when I pay attention. <laughs> I love that. I love the the skepticism that you're looking at content through. I think we we all um, can be doing a, a better job with that. And if we did, we'd probably waste less time. I'd love to maybe jump in and talk a little bit about um, this idea of just like casting a, a big net and the problem that we have with volume-based tactics. When we chatted before, you went just, you destroyed ads. Like you just went on this like rant about ads and why you think they suck and why you don't think they're helpful and why it's a big waste of money. So maybe talk a little bit about just like volume-based tactics and why you don't think that they work. Yeah. Uh, And I can, I can talk about why I hate ads and why we don't do any PPC work with our agency for hours, honestly. But I think fundamentally, it does come down to these two problems. One is, if you have an ad, it's usually short, right? And you can't capture a lot of nuance with most ads. So we get back to that problem that we just discussed. Things tend to sound the same. Copywriters spend hours and hours and hours tweaking every comma, tweaking every single word in their like one sentence ad copy because every word matters. But you still can't capture 
too much there as you could with the longer form thing. So you're losing all of that nuance and it's harder to stand out, first of all. Second of all, when you're trying to appeal to everyone, you never really appeal to anyone in particular. Uh, and I think that's true for everything, let alone just ads or marketing. And I think when people are chasing traffic and when people say, I want to go viral or I want our traffic to increase by 500% or whatever, and that's the incentive they set, it's broken because who are those people that you're attracting? Like, especially if you're a niche business, if you're a B2B business, which is just by definition, there's not that many customers out there for you. There's not that many people out there who could be reading your stuff and engaging with your content that are actually matching your ideal customer profile, your ICP. It's just impossible. If you're trying to go, yeah, let's say your Notion, right? A Notion right now is trying to go after enterprise customers. How many enterprises are there out there that Notion could sign with? Maybe a hundred, maybe a thousand, but not many more than that. So what would be the point in going for writing a blog post or putting out a video where they try and get a million views about some enterprise topic or about enterprise needs. You're never, if you have a million views, only a thousand of them could potentially be your ideal customers. And then you're still assuming that every single person that's your ideal audience member has actually seen it, which is never going to be the case. So how many of those million views that you're getting are actually helpful to your business and to driving revenue and to all the goals you've set for yourself? So, I so I, yeah, so I think uh, virality, uh, this idea of like volume-based, um, a lot of it is what we as B2B marketers look at from on the B2C side and want to try and want to do, but it, it doesn't apply for the reasons that you just stated. So I don't know, the more I've grown in B2B as a marketer, I've found that less is more and that it's about quality over quantity. But I would imagine a bunch of people that are coming in to potentially use your services aren't necessarily thinking that way. They're coming to you because they want more of more leads. They want, you know, more brand exposure. I guess what 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 do you think needs to happen to help shift the mindset of the B2B marketer from this quantity base to focusing more in on quality? I do think that people are changing their mindsets more and more. Um, there's this recent report that came out either this month or a month ago from Content Marketing Institute on B2B marketing, state of B2B marketing. And there um, they said that the most important factor that marketers stated for how to differentiate their content and how they're trying to do that in their strategy is producing better quality content. It was something like one second. Yeah. 83% of B2B marketers said that their main thing is they're trying to differentiate their content by producing better quality. What better quality means is usually where we get into arguments. And this is where most of the conversations go whenever we get on a discovery call. But people want quality. I just don't know if they actually understand what quality means sometimes because they're used to a certain way of working. Um, I also have been thinking lately a lot about Chad GPT because everyone else is thinking about it and everyone's talking about it. And I've played with it a lot. I've spent maybe eight, nine hours with it now. And I've tried to get it to do some specific tasks about my work. I tried to get it to teach me Italian because I was just trying something out. And I tried to get it to help my husband to study for a law school exam by writing some prompts. 
And what you find very quickly when you actually get into these tools and learn to write a prompt and you try to go beyond the initial impressive paragraph that it generates is that the quality factor is missing. Let's put it that way. There's never anything beyond those really, really shallow arguments that you will find once again on that first page of Google or that you would find in that 101 intro to subject matter lecture if you went to college. It would be in the first probably 30 minutes of that class, those kinds of arguments. And if you try to build anything out beyond that, these tools don't get it at all. And they're just not understanding it. They don't know how one thing connects to another. How do you build on top of that? How do you build a proper argument? It's not there. And I'm seeing all of these people posting these screenshots of an SEO strategy they got or a blog post that this thing wrote for them. And it's all shallow. And they're saying, this is fantastic. This is going to change the way I produce my work. And I'm looking at it and I'm honestly feeling some dread. Being like, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> like, if you think this is good, I don't know how you do your job. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, my my perspective on it, and I haven't dove in as as much as you, but I don't know. Whenever everybody goes at so quickly to one topic and promotes it and talks about how great it is, typically that means red flags for me. I, I, not that I'm saying that there isn't a place, and this might there might be an opportunity down the road where this changes the game a little bit. But I think I'm 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 a more of a let's wait and see and let's uh let's let's see how this all plays out first before we go run and talk to everyone about how this is going to change everything that we do. Yeah. And I, I think people are starting to pin me as an AI hater because I've talked about this a few times publicly now on LinkedIn and on uh Superpath, which is this Slack marketing group with a bunch of people in it. I've been talking about how you shouldn't hope for chat GPT to save you that much time, but I'm not an AI hater. I would actually love for these things to help me out. That's why I've played with it so much because I was thinking, you know, if this can save me any time at all, I would love that. If it can produce an outline based on my notes, if it can help me rephrase something, I would adore that. And I really want these AI companies to prove me wrong. And I've tried Jasper, I've tried Copy AI, I've tried every hot tool out there, but so far, uh, nobody's impressed me. And, you know, I did this fun thing, actually, when people were freaking out about AI a few months ago, and I think it was some new Jasper update or something that caused that conversation. I played with it, and I noticed that the output it was producing really reminded me of the writing that I would see from people in high school and early in college, because I was the person that everyone went to to help edit their essays, just as a friend. Uh, so I saw people's terrible essays all the time. Uh, for English class, social studies, whatever. And the essays they wrote sound exactly the same as what ChatGPT writes or what Jasper writes. And so what I did to prove that was I made my teenage brother, who was 15 at the time, sit down and I gave him and Jasper the exact same prompts. And I gave him like 20 minutes per prompt. And I was like, go write two paragraphs on this topic as if it's a corporate blog post. And I put them as a quiz and I put that on my site and I basically made a few people take it being like, can you guess which paragraph here was written by the AI and which one was written by my 15 year old teenage brother that knows nothing about this topic? Um, do you want to take a guess at what the results were? What were the results? 
the best people got on average was 50 50. Wow. <laughs> Most people were actually like one out of four, right? Or something like that. There was one person who got four out of four, and I was so confused as to how she did that that I messaged her. And when she was trying to explain her answers, she took it again and she only got two out of four, right? That's hilarious. Oh man. Yeah. yeah I it they'll they'll it, it'll be fun and interesting to see how all this plays out. Yeah. I, I wanna maybe I know a lot of marketers face this. And so uh I'm interested, especially since you're talking to a bunch on a regular basis about kind of quantity versus quality. But I think, you know, we know as marketers, we need to focus in on quality and less is more, whether it's content campaigns, whatever the the strategy is, but oftentimes it's challenging from the, the top, whether it's, you know, the, the, their stakeholders, executive team, they're just looking at numbers. They're looking at the bottom line and the mentality there, since they're not in the game, not in, not in the marketing mix is we just need volume. And so that causes a lot of rub and conflict. I don't know. Like, how do you talk about this with, with your clients? Like how, how are we supposed to get stakeholder buy-in when we as marketers are trying to move, move more towards quality and, and less away from quantity? Yeah. And I think, yeah. And, uh, I do want to say that I think a lot of this tension comes from the other stakeholders, usually from the finance department, maybe if they have a revenue department, rather than from the marketing team itself. I don't want to imply when I'm criticizing a lot of marketers out here that the marketers aren't good at their jobs. They usually are. I've worked with a few people that was this overworked head of marketing or head of content who kept telling me, please, I, I want us to do the thing that we were planning on, like this quality piece. But my boss, my boss is constantly on my ass, right? And I need to figure out how to please my boss and all they want is output. So I think this happens all the time and we all get compromised because somebody up there in that C-suite or somewhere else just doesn't get it. But the way to get it, I think, is to do it and then see what happens from it. Uh, Because usually the results make the finance departments pretty happy. So, for example, uh, we have been working with the Series B payments SaaS uh, called Orem, and we've written a few pieces for them. And the strategy was they want SEO, they want keywords, they want the normal, you know, a lot of volume, simple pieces that people are searching for. And for the most part, we would do that. And then as we built some trust, I started making a few riskier moves taking a bit longer on some pieces. And even though they were still like the SEO title and whatever, and the basic topic, adding more things into the body, like deviating from that suggested outline, deviating from those keywords and adding things in that I thought were more nuanced, more insightful, adding more sources. And we very quickly started seeing that whenever I would do that, those pieces would perform way better. And there's one piece we put out about two months ago It's called What Are HOA Payments? So very basic title, but I did multiple things in there where I went in and I looked for hours for like a very good source and like firsthand data and 2022 data, because what I was seeing everywhere else was old and outdated and very basic. And so I ended up finding this FTC reports database. That's like this live data set with visualization. Went in, uh, ended up doing some calculations to get the statistic that I wanted because I didn't believe the statistics that everyone else was quoting. And that was maybe, let's say, three extra hours of work, right? 
uh, that I could have spent writing another blog post potentially, but I didn't. And um, that blog post within three, two weeks ended up getting, first of all, two snippet features for like giant big keywords that they were aiming for. Uh, So, you know, the SEO results were in very top of the page, different codes, different images, tons of clicks. Uh, But more importantly, even before it got tons of clicks, I think we were 200 views at that point organically or something pretty small. Nobody would be impressed at that number. They closed at least one and now I think multiple uh, six-figure deals from that blog post of people coming into demo calls and saying, we saw this blog post and we liked it and we liked how insightful it was and how clear it was. And so now Forum has multiple more clients that are pretty high paying all from one blog post and all from me taking potentially those three, four extra hours. That's not bad. And I know we we hear this all the time from executives is what's the ROI of our content program? And there you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think if you're in B2B, you don't need that many people to actually call you. It's actually better if fewer people call you, right? Well, because if they're yeah. the right people and they close, that's all that matters. Every deal is a big deal. Like you're not doing tiny deals for $50 usually if you're doing B2B or as long as you're chasing slightly bigger companies. One enterprise deal is good enough for the most part. So I would say as long as we're writing each piece of content to target and have that goal of maybe this will get one enterprise client to go on call or one like larger business to go on call. That's enough. I think that's much better than a thousand consumers or tiny, tiny founders like solopreneurs signing up. I love the mindset. Maybe we, I'd love to learn just what you're hearing from your customers just on budget and focus. This whole have dropped at the beginning of 2023. I know people, as we're recording this, they're in budget planning mode right now. That'll probably bleed over into January and February as well. But what what are you seeing? Like, what are some shifts in budget and focus that you're learning from the people you're working with? I am seeing people asking a lot more for repurposing, which makes me very happy because I would say, in my mind, our, the ideal way of working is we're only producing a few pieces of content. So maybe, honestly, one or two a month for a client, but they're long form, they're big, they have a lot of hours put into them, whether it's a long blog post or a guide or a report or a video. It's long, takes a lot of time, it's very high quality, and it has a ton of snippets that you can pull out. And what I keep trying to argue for with my clients, and we're starting to finally get there, and new people coming in are saying the same thing, is let's just do one piece this month, right? Let's make it a very good piece, and let's keep putting it out there everywhere. And your team, your in-house team, if you have one, or we can help you if we need to, can pull things out, and they can make LinkedIn posts out of it. They can make tiny, like, I don't know, Instagram reels or TikTok videos out of it if you or into that sort of thing. You can make a tweet out of it. You can make a webinar out of it. You can quote it on sales calls. You can direct people to it in your emails. You're going to get so much more leverage out of it with basically the same budget because most of the work goes into that one post up front and it's just, what do you do with it afterwards? So I've been noticing people actually coming in and using that word before I tell it to them, which hasn't happened before. Or whenever I do say it to clients, I've had them come back to me in the last month and be like, hey, I remember you mentioned this thing. It was called repurposing. How do we actually do this now? And so we've started talking about it and doing it, and we're shifting to fewer posts, but posts that you can 
cut up and still have a lot of actionable insights from. That is uh, music to my ears. And I know a lot of other marketers out there is maximizing our work in time and investment. Before I let you get out of here, I'd love for you to maybe uh, share share a piece of advice. Like what what is one piece of advice that you have for B2B marketers moving into this year? And don't say AI because uh, no, I know, you, want, I know you I know you want to. It might it might be don't do AI. Um <laughs> Let me let me share a sneak peek of something that I'm actually working on right now because I had this on my desk. I honestly am currently trying to write a post arguing for this, and I probably will do a lot of them. I think most people going into content marketing, if you're going to be writing things or working with writers, you need to read this book. It's called They Say, I Say. I don't think it's actually focusing go. on it. There you go. Yeah. And it's an academic writing book. It's actually meant for like college freshmen. Uh, trying to learn how to write in college. And I got it as a college freshman and I got back to it like recently and every single page, it's like, oh my God, I think every single marketer should be reading this because the whole thing, uh, and this is partially my background because I spent three years working as a writing instructor in college. It's talking about everything that we're worried about as marketers. It's about how do you Get yourself involved in an existing conversation with experts. In this case, they're talking about like academics, professors, all of that. In our case, it would be other professionals and other brands, but it's a specialized conversation. People have said a lot of smart things. That's the they say of the title. So you need to always start out by, okay, who has talked about what? And then you insert yourself in, in an intelligent way. And that's the I say. And um, it has a bunch of templates here, right? Uh, for how you do this exactly. But the key point is whenever you're writing anything, contextualize it with what has already been said. Do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? Are you adding something new? Like, how do you stand in relation to that conversation? And how do you add something on top of it based on your brand, based on your product, based on your experience, based on maybe additional research you've done? And if you do just that, if you fill in that blank, they say this, I say that when you're doing your writing brief or whatever, you're going to be ahead of, honestly, 90% of content that's being put out there, especially now that a bunch of people are starting to turn to AI. The AI doesn't know how to do this. So if you're worried about AI taking your job, honestly, look at something like this. Look at some of this advice that people give to college writers and university writers, because they know how to do it. Like people there, their tenure depends on being able to do this. And we as marketers, I think, could benefit a lot from taking some time and thinking about things that way. The anti-AI episode right here. We're throwing dirt on it. Just kidding, kind of. Uh, Maria, this was so much fun. Thank you for coming by and dropping your insights. Kalena Marketing, go check it out and uh, plug away. It's a marketing podcast. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say that if you liked what we had to say, we are on the juice, actually, as Kalina Marketing, and you should check our page out. And we actually have an entire post similar to a lot of the things we talked about called uh, Don't Clear Scope Me, I Want to Write Something New. And it's from a freelance writer who told me the story in a call, and I begged him to write the post talking about how tired he was of getting forced to reach an A minus score on ClearScope and other content optimizing tools because they would suck all the life and quality out of his writing. So if anything resonated, you should check us out on The Juice. 
You should follow us there and follow a few other brands. It's good. You're plugging the juice too. That's like double plugs and I'm all about it. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you. Yeah. Guys. Thanks so much. I had a ton of fun talking with Maria. I learned a ton. Always exciting to hear from business owner and operators around how they're thinking about building and growing their audience. Hopefully you have a good restful weekend. Take care of yourself, take care of others around you. We'll be back more modern day marketer on the other side.